We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Today we will be speaking to Ratan Kumar Roy, the author of Television in Bangladesh, News and Audiences. This book examines the role of 24-7 television news channels in Bangladesh. By using a multi-sided ethnography of television news media, it showcases the socio-political undercurrents of media practices and the everydayness of TV news in Bangladesh. Roy is the coordinator of the International Research Center, Simek Institute of Technology, located in Dhaka, and also a visiting faculty at Jamia Millia Islamia, New Delhi. Thank you so much, Ratan Kumar Roy, for talking to us today. Tell us in a few words about yourself and how you came about interested in this project. Thank you, Sharoni. Uh, as you said that, you know, this is an anthropological work. So as a student of anthropology, I was keen to understand the allure of television, media particularly, and its news, which has been broadcasted, and the larger, you know, vibrant viewing culture uh, in relation to television in Bangladesh. So as a graduate student, as a postgraduate student, rather, uh, a decade back, when I conducted a first kind of, you know, exploration among the viewers of Bangladesh, then I found that there are some interesting dynamic going on in relation to the audience and how they engage with television. So that always, you know, uh, took uh, uh, kind of, that always stayed in my interest. And then as a working journalist in a 24-hour news channel in Bangladesh, I also could see that in-depth necessity to engage with the viewers as well as the people who work with news making. So uh, those were the solid motivation to working towards an anthropology of media to say. And again, to come back to your point, that interest uh, from where I, I initiated this project, uh, in Bangladesh, in the context of Bangladesh, the understanding of doing anthropology or you know studying anthropology has been always uh, very traditional, like being Bangladesh as an agro-based society, uh, the peasant society, the rural society. So the orientation has been always like studying uh, society culture of rural society or maybe village society, or maybe in late 80s and 90s, we see the urban urbanization. But I have been thinking how to you know, initiate an anthropology of communication or anthropology of media. And in that... Uh, I started to understand uh, uh, the media culture in Bangladesh. So my project began with uh, the simple question of the interaction between the audience and news, or maybe news-making professionals. Uh, to, to put it a little more, to elaborate, how do you want understand media culture when we are saying, you know, one, one has to understand culture and culture being the central question of anthropology. And uh, since we talk in anthropology that one has to understand the interface between the individual and the uh, structure or maybe the you know, 
uh, how the how the interaction between the subject and the agency works so on that i think i try to understand that what is this uh, you know the process uh, through which the media audience society all these things are nested together and how the uh, you know the television news making and viewing uh, collectively create a television media culture in bangladesh and how the everyday life is situated or maybe how we can understand the everyday relation of the audience and the news making professional in uh, with this larger structure of media where we live so media culture when we talk about media culture how media culture uh, can be understood in the contemporary time when we are claiming and many of the media researchers are actually claiming that media is today in the center of our uh, of our life and in the again in the very typical media studies we see a very uh, much powerful orientation to understand that media is a contested terrain and media's discourses are actually very powerful but i think when you approach it through the media culture then you will try to understand that uh, the individuals also have a, uh, a very very powerful role or maybe the orientation of media culture would stimulate uh, individuals to challenge the dominant forms of media and empowers the media consumers and their practices so mm, from from this point of view i have played with few of the uh, you know conceptual framework like media rituals media culture and the interface between audiences and media uh, in in my case the viewers of television news and the journalists so yeah if that answers your question sharuni thank you so much um but as a former broadcast journalist how was it working on a project as an anthropologist uh i would say that you know this is this has been a question which uh, many of the ethnographers who tried studying media has faced but uh, i think there was a personal engagement in both the sides i i was also a viewer grew up in bangladesh and uh, as a working journalist i had an access to the newsroom so i think the reflexivity worked as a crucial point in in this study when i conducted an ethnography uh, it is a multi sided ethnography so i conducted this ethnography both the sides in the sides of where where people are watching television and where i think uh, the news making uh, things were happening but uh, here i want to uh, highlight a point like you know uh, which i think elizabeth bard uh, uh, who who introduced the anthropology of uh, journalism uh she has been uh, quite uh, often talking about that how do we see a uh, ethnographer and how do we see a journalist what is the difference uh to talk about that i have realized that you know there is there is no much difference the only difference is maybe the television journalism if we come to talk about television journalism it requires briefness uh, there is a style of presenting things in a very capsule manner or in a packaged form it requires a story to be narrated in a maximum duration of maybe 1 minute or 2 minutes that include reporters description and then the respondents reaction the expert would come in and the anchor would also give you that introduction 
But uh, that doesn't mean the reporters gather very limited knowledge about a fact or an event which they are uh, every day covering. So as a working working journalist, I always try to negotiate between the anthropological aspect of a holistic viewpoint and the journalistic requirements of partial, singular, as well as a concise pattern which maybe a television broadcasting media would require. Uh, and that's that's an anxiety, that's the tension, I think. So what I am claiming here, that both the individuals as an ethnographer or as a journalist, when they are entering into the field, they are trying to capture everything possible around them. When they're coming back to the newsroom, when they're trying to uh, you know, make that news story, they have to negotiate with the policy of the news channel. They have to negotiate with many other things, the, the, the newsroom policy, the politics, the ethics, and so many other things. On the other hand, as an ethnographer, when somebody is trying to capture the things, not necessarily that immediately after going back to the newsroom at 7 p.m. news bulletin, they have to uh, display or they have to broadcast that news. So they have that time. They have uh, they can revisit their field. They can note down everything in their diary. They can again engage with the respondent and they can think through it. So there is a point of reflexivity which make a qualitative difference uh, in the life of an ethnographer. I think uh, there I would see that uh, difference between anthropologist and a journalist. But again, how, how one could be benefited if they have a journalistic background in doing ethnography about journalism, I think it is always beneficial. So being a journalist working in a television channel, I had gone through that, you know. So I, 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 had, uh, I had that uh, auto-ethnographic, uh, I would say, benefit while doing my ethnographic study. Uh, here. So the central part uh, that you have studied is about the interrelation between audience and journalists. Today we see many discontents regarding television journalists, journalism, sorry, both at the level of public to media relation and at the level of policy and media. How do you see the status of journalism in Bangladesh? Uh, it's it's a very big question, actually. What when we talk about the status of journalism in popular sense, we do see that there are various reports about journalism that journalism in in risk. The journalists, particularly in South Asia, are at risk. They have their life threats. They have the issues of you know getting uh, threats and they are getting abducted now and then. Those are the issues. I think the issues regarding journalism are coming from various points. One is certainly the state, the control, the policies, the regulation. On the other hand, it is regarding their profession itself. So in the context of South Asia, the profession of journalism is still not being considered as a profession which one could take seriously. So uh, I would tell you, like when people, uh, young people after their graduation are entering into journalism, like their parents are maybe still asking them, okay, when are you going to start your job? So they don't consider profession uh, journalism as a profession or as a job. So this is a very crucial point, I think. Secondly, uh, when the way the industry uh, 
I am not sure whether we could still, whether we are still in a position to call that television journalism or broadcast journalism in the context of South Asia or in Bangladesh as an industry yet. But yeah, for the sake of saying, we do say it. So what I see that uh, in the in the aspect of profession also, it's 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 very uh, critical. On the other hand, we contemporary uh, in the contemporary time we see the issues of fake news, we see the issues of uh, you know control contestation, we see the issues of uh, journalists getting uh, uh, getting uh, quite an often they are uh, they are they are getting various kinds of threat. Their their jobs are being uh, uh, being taken away very often. So all these things were happening. Uh, but the question that you ask, particularly how uh, the interface between you know the journalism and the audiences are happening. That's one. The last question which you asked about the journalism as a whole. So journalism as a whole, uh, it's it's quite similar across the borders in South Asia, across the countries in South Asia. We don't see much difference. What is happening happening in regards to its policy regulation and in regards to its professionalism. And the third point in regards to its market and sustainability. So when we talk about sustainability, uh, this is again a very fragile area that whether uh, the profession of journalism is a sustainable way of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of, of, of making an institution. So uh, who are the owners of the media houses where the journalism would flourish? We used to know that the, the journalism or media was always in the hand of the corporations and now post 90s it has gone into the hand of the corporates so the moment we go into this uh, this field we find a nexus between the state market and business so uh, there you can see the the whole idea of journalism and sometime we come up and say that what about the democracy? What about journalism being the fourth pillar of democracy? What about the freedom of speech about journalism? So all these questions are also there. Uh, but but things are not that straightforward, not that simple, I think. Uh, that's one. Uh, if I come back to your first question, which you have asked in the first part of this question, the interrelation between uh, journalism, the newsmaking professional, and the audiences, which was my intervention or, or my uh, interest area to understand the, the interface. So that's, again, very interesting. All these things, all these regulatory challenges, all these anxieties, all these control and contestations which we see and talk often, our audiences are quite, I think, uh, concerned about that, which I found, you know, quite interestingly, the audiences located in the rural areas also can see and identify that maybe particular journalists are being harassed or, or attacked or, or not being allowed to speak certain things. So they do point out that, okay, there were few issues which were coming and uh, being talked about on the television news, but suddenly those were no more there. So there must be something going on behind the scene. There must be some sort of, uh, uh, you know, that discontent, the point of discontent that you have mentioned, I think that's also very interesting because uh, often in sitting in front of television, they look forward that the reporter or a television journalist or a television anchor should ask a pertinent question to a policymaker or to a minister or to a 
person who is uh, uh, sitting as an authority but they don't see that question is coming from the journalist so then they actually feel very disenchanted they feel disconnected and then they feel that the journalist should have asked that but some group of people think that no journalists are also uh, uh, under some sort of scrutiny they are also under some sort of control they can't do what they want to do and uh, looking that uh, uh, taking that into consideration, we have found out that, you know, there are various external and internal forces who actually control the larger uh, media uh, uh, houses or not maybe houses, but maybe the media production. And in that we have seen there are political regulatory authorities in one hand and there are various interventionalist forces. Uh, on that interventionalist forces, there are political leaders, political parties, there are state missionaries, there are various advertising agencies, commercial provider, there are financer. So, so there are elite groups also. And in that, how do you locate the audiences whom we can consider maybe the audiences at large or maybe the public, or maybe the audiences who are ordinary, who who cannot be located in the uh, uh, you know section of elite policymaker, decision maker. So how one can see the connection or the interface between those ordinary viewers and the journalists? So when you, when when I engaged and asked the media professionals that how do you see that the audiences can play a role? in your everyday news making practices uh, some of them do say that no i don't think that audiences are actually uh, very very educated they 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 are actually uh, cons- they, they have any knowledge about news making so they uh, are basically dumb quote unquote their demands are very absurd so there is no point in listening or considering what viewers think or they like or demand but uh, but at the same time, there uh, are uh, by 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 looking at this kind of symptoms, maybe one can uh, understand that okay, maybe there is no space of the viewers in the consideration of the news making policy, news making people. That how how do they make their everyday news? But when you engage more, you figure out that you know uh, the viewers are coming into their consideration because uh, they, in the back of their mind, always think that what would uh, audience look for to them? Like what kind of news uh, the audiences are demanding in their everyday life? So the journalists are also part and parcel of this very society where the audiences live. And whenever they are maybe traveling in a bus or whenever they are maybe uh, passing by to the street, they do also hear what the people talking about and what are they looking for. And those things get reflected consciously or unconsciously in their newsmaking practices. So quite often we see the news editor coming uh, to the office and saying that, okay, today people are talking about this, so let's uh, go for this particular news today. So by looking at the, that, that kind of you know in-depth understanding, I could maybe tell you about three major trends where... Uh, the the way maybe the uh, you know the tv professionals acknowledge the audiences the first trend is that you know uh, 
TV professionals hardly acknowledge the viewers on a serious note, but maybe use them to justify the content and their style of presentation, like saying uh, viewers would like this or viewers would, there is a demand from the viewer side. This is basically to uh, taking for granted uh, uh, grantedness kind of attitude. The second trend, trend is uh, which uh, a section of professionals, uh, news professionals consider the viewers as ignorant, uh, ignorant about their technology, uh, technological understanding or technicalities of news making. And the other section believe that the viewers are not very logical or sensible enough uh, so there is no point of thinking about the uh, viewers at all. And the third trend, which uh, I think uh, uh, consider the viewers as the central. So they think that they are the guiding force on how to go about making a re report. So according to this set of uh, people, whatever happens in the newsmaking ecology, the primary concern and agent is the audience. So uh, in this case, actually, uh, most of the time, the audiences work uh, at, the, at the back of the newsmaking professionals. So, uh, in this, uh, taking this uh, kind of trends into consideration, I think we can claim that, you know, uh, in the larger political, socio, uh, ecology of newsmaking, there is a interrelation between the newsmaking professional and the audiences because the viewers are also, to some extent, sympathetic towards the are, uh, journalists and the journalists are also to some extent trying to understand the need and the uh, aspiration of the uh, viewers. So here I would see uh, uh, a kind of connection happening. It's just maybe, uh, it, it's, it's, it's never a one-way road I would say. Rather I would say it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a two-way bridge where maybe some of the uh, you know, restructuring or maybe, uh, you know, uh, or maybe some sort of care is needed in this relation, in this interrelation or the interface. Mm, I, I would want to answer your question in this way. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thank you so much. Uh, could you also share with the audience the um, methods that you used while conducting the ethnographic study? Okay, so as I said that the method was, uh, uh, it's a multi-sided ethnography. So uh, it was kind of an inquisitive approach to ethnography, uh, a television ethnography in Bangladesh. So uh, we, we have the debates on ethnography within the discipline of anthropology or even in the sub-discipline of, uh, you know, media anthropology. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I would say that there is a lack of discussion on television ethnography in particular and media ethnography in general. But uh, 
there we also have a noteworthy ethnographic initiative since 20th century across the world. Uh, but in this part of the world where I am located, like in South Asia, we, we don't see much of those ethnographic engagement. Uh, it was a challenging uh, uh, work for me because uh, I could not find much examples in our context that how could one do a multi-sided ethnography in the sight of television or maybe uh, media world. So to understand the media world, the understand and to and to and to gain a holistic viewpoint about television media practices, it was, I think, necessary for me to involve with the participants at large and their their uh, world of sounds and sights. So uh, when I say sound and sights, the sound and sights of the everydayness where the people in relation to television are located. And those, for me, uh, certainly it is going to be multi-sided because the everydayness of newsroom, the everydayness of journalistic practices, the everydayness of decision-making, and the interlinked social phenomena uh, uh, which are happening around that. On the other hand, the, the location where the viewers are watching television. So on that, I have uh, purposively took my own hometown, which is located in Nilfamari, which is a bordering town to India-Bangladesh uh, 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 border. And I wanted to understand that how people... Uh, you know, watch television, what do they, uh, how do they engage with it, both in the rural and urban areas. Uh, so how, what kind of satellite channels uh, they watch, the nature of viewership, their preferences, what kind of contents they like, and what they actually do when they watch that. How do they actually give a social life to the, uh, you know, to the, to the activities or to the news which they are receiving from the news. So, uh, oh, uh, multi-sided ethnography was very influ influential to uh, bringing uh, depth and local perspectives. Also, the auto-ethnography, on the other hand, it has aided in reflecting on cultural and social practices from the vantage point of my personal experiences. So, uh, again, uh, the auto-ethnography account which I drew for my work was not only to write about the experiences or maybe my personal relationship to media culture in Bangladesh, but also to, you know, uh, humanize the research by focusing on the everyday life that, that lived through these complexities at both the end, at, at the end of the newsmaking professionals, uh, at the same time at the end of the viewers who, who watch television uh, in rural or in urban, urban setup. Also, my professional network as a television journalist, which I told you, had helped me to provide an access to the newsroom and it has helped me to interact with the respondents to gain insider's perspective. Uh, I also had maintain that balance between the experiential and the experimental viewpoint uh, and then the, the the viewpoint of self and uh, you know the personal orientation uh, towards uh, news making uh, sometimes that can be very overwhelming so uh, I think it helped the reflexivity actually uh, helped a lot one important point which I always uh, pay much attention while doing ethnography I think the entry 
the entry into field is very important where rapport building uh, always people suffer from these days we mostly see survey research research sending out the questionnaire and asking people to fill up but uh, and that's how i think most of the audience researches are done these days which is again i would say very sad practice in our context and and there there is no exercise of critical reflexivity there is uh, uh, you know there is no reciprocity and respect for self determination we don't see the you know uh, embodying those transformative methodological praxis in our uh, in, in our qualitative research or ethnographic research so on that i would always say one has to go slow while doing an ethnography the long term conversation the regular very mundane chit chat over tea and routine visit to some uh, some of those common locations some of those evening or afternoon gathering uh, of people help me to build that trust and gain that uh, you know kind of trust as a researcher that how or maybe as a media ethnographer uh, uh, how how one can do that so i would say that uh, uh, kind of enmeshed character of you know uh, doing ethnography uh, uh, is very important here but uh, as a media ethnographer i think uh, one has to gain or 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 have the ability to be multitasking researcher when they are at work so we need to be ready to capture on the ground perspective and we need to take multiple challenges to follow the people to follow the metaphor to follow their performances to follow their life to follow their interaction with other fellows so you know without being i think multitasking it is very difficult to uh, uh, you know to become an ethnographer particularly a media ethnographer so uh, i think the sides of viewing were also very uh, crucial for me so i had to uh, look at the household i have to look at i had to look at the public viewing locations i had to look at the urban areas i had to look at the people who are sitting in the margins similarly while watching uh, this is the watching part on the other hand when i went to understand the news making practices not only the newsroom as the ivory tower but from where the local news has been produced so going to the rural areas understanding how the local journalists uh, kind of you know try to uh, play with the news how they live with the news what kind of news they send to the head office which is located in dhaka and how those uh, news out of 20 maybe only two were been kept and most other 18 were maybe trashed and maybe in another day those out of those 18 something become very crucial for the uh, you know uh, people sitting in the head office so how those play a role in the life of the local news uh, making professionals those uh, also uh, took my attention wh- while i was in the field mm, so yeah it was overall a very interesting experience to you know understand those dynamics can you share some examples with us uh, while you were interacting with the people on the field uh i think uh, one interesting point i wanted to add because when i was in the evening in a rural area i was sitting with the people they were watching some indian serial uh, which indian mega serials are very popular in bangladesh and and the uh, you know uh, people uh, who are uh, 
kind of cultural policy maker they always have the issue but i think i i had an intention of understanding the local way of looking at television and suddenly there was a uh, there were two uh, political activists from a left party who just came in and who also joined us in that watching television suddenly they put a big poster of a left political party which has a image of uh, lenin and that was about i think uh, 100 years of soviet uh, you know revolution so the moment they put those that poster uh, uh, beside some of the other posters which had some shiva or 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 krishna so some religious other goddesses so suddenly the viewers who were watching television they shifted their attention to that uh, you know poster and they they asked that who is this god we don't know this god so uh, it it really took my attention i was trying to understand that okay so how these people imagine when they see a big imagery they can't imagine a political leader maybe because that's certainly not the same uh, face as a bangladeshi or as a south asian would look like uh, when you see uh, lenin or he, or his standing photo so uh, i was trying to understand what is that cultural logic of uh, people where they live and how do they uh, what how do they actually you know read a particular visual or a text so what is the way of meaning making and i think from there i try to understand that how the audiences make the meaning in their everyday life what so when we claim that you know we can actually feed people and media has that uh, that quality that hegemonic power to feed what what media wants to feed people it's it's very partial it's always uh, i think culture specific contextual and also very much subjective how uh, an individual who is decoding a particular text or visual their own cultural logic their own way of looking at things would also play a crucial role when they are trying to understand something make meaning uh, make meaning out of things okay thank you so much um how do you think your ethnographic work on television has theoretically contributed to the knowledge production of communication research uh i think communication research itself has a very wider horizon uh but as i told you like if one has to understand media uh, not something hanging there but as a part and parcel of the society i i would say that you know i think uh the theory in relation to communication research uh has to also uh locate the culture and society in relation to communication so communication is not uh, uh something which is uh which is disconnected from the larger ambit of society and culture and being a social anthropologist i think uh, one has to be very particular that how the communication as a process and communication as a practice uh, it is it is related to society and culture so i came from that uh, theoretical vantage point of practice social practice theory and i tried understanding the 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 whole 
practice of watching television or news making uh, as part of a larger uh, social practice or media practice. And there I have tried developing few categories. I think those categories have uh, uh, that potential to contribute in understanding communication uh, and communication which is very much connected to our society and culture. So the first category, which is hujug, which I think is, when, when I'm saying hujug, for the audiences or the listener who are not located in Bangladesh or South Asia, just to make it uh, uh, you know more meaningful to them, this literally means hype, uh, creating a mania or hype, you know. So uh, it is an emic term. Uh, and through this emic term, which is uh, uh, hype or mania, uh, one can understand the TV news practices. So the TV news channels tend to put the viewers into a hujug or in a hype by creating uh, an urgency. The tendency uh, uh, which we can look at or which we can find that uh, they always add some extra significance to some selected events or issues by creating a vibe around that issue and as if that that particular news is very crucial for today. So one has to really pay attention to this. And when they create some uh, craze, that particular hype or craze is not being created individually. It is basically uh, uh, happening as a consequence of collective media participants. So this is a condition which uh, you know, which uh, is very evident in the in, in my finding. And I here theorize that you know. Uh, media participants get hyper and carried away by hujuk. It is uh, uh, and, and, and it is a very relevant and, and very prominent phenomena for uh, to understand that the satellite television news culture in South Asia because uh, the operating of hujuk actually helps to create a climate of significance uh, 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 when uh, maybe the significance in the true sense is maybe nothing but. Uh, if we want to understand the satellite television news culture and communication in South Asia, one has to understand that the satellite television news succeeds through this combination of liveliness, presentness, sensation and significance. And all these things uh, are creating a hujug, which is my contribution to the communication research in the first hand coming from my own ethnographic study, which I have done in Bangladesh. And in that, uh, I have found that, you know, the audiences are also playing a crucial role because they will keep asking uh, uh, now and then that, okay, this is a very significant event happened today. I saw the news. Did you watch? Did you go, uh, 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 check the news today? Just turn on the news and there is an accident which has happened and I saw that five people were spot dead. But maybe there are 20 people dying every day in some other phenomena until and unless that has not come to the news. Uh, one doesn't pay an attention to that. And from there, actually, I tried connecting uh, the characteristic of hujug uh, 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 in, the, in the larger uh, concept of media ritual. So we, we see that the media ritual as something that, uh, you know, it is a key mechanism to reproducing the legitimacy of media as at the center of our everyday life. So 
again, this is Nick Coldry who was talking about myth of mediated center. So actually, media creates the center of our everyday life. It is a prominent center of our social system. Media-related factors bolster or validate this centralization process. So the overall media practices, that practice theory I was talking about, this, this overall media practices actually add a powerful dimension to constitute and frame the center of our everyday life. Whatever we are seeing today, uh, coming to the cent- uh, to the media, being discussed in the television talk shows, being discussed in the television news uh, bulletin, uh, becoming uh, important to our life, getting a preference to our everyday discussion. And that's how particular social act, particular individuals are getting promoted into the center of our social discourse. So TV news at the end of the day, validating some social events or some individual as very significant, crucial or pivotal. So this occurrence in the real world uh, might not be that sufficient to be noticed. But the moment, you know, uh, the television is bringing into this, uh, this is becoming important. And that's how I argued that there is a myth that persists in the media ritual, which is not only the myth of the mediated center, but also myth of happenings. So when I claim the concept myth of happenings, I argue that this myth makes us believe that an event or any incident is for real since TV has depicted that. So uh, here again, you can see the relevance of hujuk. Like people are getting hyper in relation to TV news broadcasting and they are living with that sensation almost all the time. On the other hand, TV news professionals or the journalists are involved in a very routinized process or routinized practice or action of collecting, formatting and representing every bit of that socio-economic or political issue in that news bulletin. And ultimately, that is creating a persistent truth to be lived as well as believed, which in my argument is the happenings. And everyone uh, maybe. Uh, seems to greet with an ex- with an extraordinary curiosity that what is happening around what all is happening in bangla khobor ki uh, you know like what is the news or or what all is happening around so i argued that the media participants in bangladesh have internalized a pattern of living with the quasi metaphysical charm of happening in the society it has become so integral integral to their existence that they develop a feeling of belonging into a plethora of nicely packaged presentation of events as seemingly more than events which is happening. So I see a theoretical potential in this concept of myth of happenings where the larger practice of hujug which I said which is hype uh, sustains a somewhat mythicized version of newsworthiness uh, or newsworthy incident which we can call happening. So media-based social collectivities are shaped and transformed around this myth of happenings. I think in communication research one can take it further in different contexts and try to explore and extend this idea. 
Thank you so much, Ratan, for talking to New Books Network today. That was a very interesting conversation with you and hope you have a good day ahead. Thank you, Sharoni, for your interesting engagement.